Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to this midweek edition of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Tom Harris, I'm your host today and I'm very excited to be joined by La Liga Lowdown's very own Valencianista and that is of course Mr Paco Pollett. Paco, we've actually got a bit of snow up here in Manchester, how are things going in Valencia? Probably a bit warmer um, I assume. Yeah, warmer but not, you know, uh, the best uh, weather over here. Uh, very, very windy days, the last couple of, of days over here and and actually pretty cold with, with, as I said, wind, awful, awful weather, especially if we compare to what we had only a couple of days ago, which was like uh, 20 degrees sunny Valencia in January, which is weird, but it's obviously very, very welcome. Yeah, the climate is unpredictable as a football at the moment. Um, we'll yeah. get into some of the recent results and we're going to start today's podcast. You know, we, we've been speaking a lot about, obviously, the Supercopa and, and what an amazing result that was for Barcelona in the final. And Sam and Roman on, on the podcast on Monday did an excellent job of dissecting and analysing the game. But I thought it might be useful just to revisit that, Paco, because we've had a couple of days that the dust has settled and we've all, you know, we all got very excited by that Barcelona performance. But... Looking at Real Madrid, actually, I mean, they're playing in, in, in the Copa del Rey away at Villarreal um, on Thursday. Hmm. They lost to Villarreal at Villastadio de la Ceramica just last weekend. And of course, they've flown all the way out to Saudi Arabia. They played 120 minutes against Valencia, a demoralizing defeat against Barcelona. And now they've got a very tough game in the Copa ahead of a very tough game away at San Mamés on the weekend. So... All action for Real Madrid. If you're Carlo Ancelotti in this position, how how do you face this next game against Villarreal? Do you go all out and do you try and play your way out of this bad form or do you perhaps try and give those players some rest who have played so much football over the last couple of weeks? Well, I think that uh, he, as an experienced veteran manager, he obviously knows what to do, especially when you know training and managing a, a champion side as, as Real Madrid. I was... You know, quite amused in the in the last couple of days uh, while reading social media and some Real Madrid fans, especially the younger ones, you know, they have been dismissing the current squad and thinking about the good old days, which are 2015, you know, only eight mm. years ago. And um, I think that they are not um, very self-aware or possibly not aware enough of, of how incredible is what Real Madrid has been delivering the last uh, couple of seasons. Because even... 
with them being far from the greatest team ever football wise they got the job done every single time which is some kind of you know amazing kind of football voodoo going on always being able to always overcome the odds always uh you know turn the tide uh, away from them i'm trying to you know uh bounce back after incredible score lines that kind of of mentality isn't really dissolved and disappear from one day to the next and and that's why i think that uh real madrid even after the bump on the road which was the the super cup final in in saudi arabia i think that they're going to bounce back possibly not immediately but you know they'll come along maybe in in the next few games there are some doubts here and there obviously playing against Villarreal isn't doing them a favor because uh, Villarreal have been pretty strong lately um even though they disappointed me last weekend uh, I expected them to to win and they 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 drew their game but you know it seems that the the Kike Setien playstyle has mm, finally uh, being accepted by the squad and that's why Villarreal are a very dangerous team to to face uh, nowadays but I shouldn't be really worried about Real Madrid if I were a, a Real Madrid fan which I am not obviously because I think that they they will you know bounce back from from this uh, mishap and, and I think that especially when eyeing the uh, you know their the games against uh, Liverpool further along the road I believe it's only less than one month away the those two games i think that they are going to get back their confidence their mentality the players who are not really 100 uh, percent in a in a physical level they are going to you know recover uh, pretty fast in the in the next few weeks so in that sense i think it's not going to really have a big impact on on real madrid but it's true that um barca got away from from this game with a lot of strength you know they they have their backbone has been severely strengthened by this kind of result especially uh, the way they they were able to pull it off yeah i mean real madrid the, the great sufferers really in la liga you know they've won a lot of titles by suffering and, and and winning games late on or coming back from the brink as you said but it was barcelona who did that uh, last weekend in 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 la liga when when they beat atletico madrid they mm. they played a more expansive game against Real Betis and tried to stretch a pitch and then they really turned on the style against Real Madrid. And I think that is quite ominous for the rest of the league that they can win in three different ways in 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 three games, you know, within the space of a week, even after 17 of their players going to the World Cup, all of this traveling and, and these three big games. So yeah, gonna be a, a psychological battle, I think, until the end, this this title race. And of course there are three points in it. Barcelona are three points ahead at the moment. And we'll get on to looking at some of the games this weekend a bit later on in the podcast. But just while we're still on the Supercopa, um, Paco, obviously your team, Valencia, were out there as well. They were unfortunate, really, I think, to lose on penalties to Real Madrid. How how would you assess their performance out in Saudi Arabia? Because I know Mark Clark was a big fan of Valencia's hmm. performance in that semi-final. Well, you, uh, mo most of you guys were able to see uh, why Gattuso slotted in so well at the beginning of the season, especially amongst the fan base, because of how Valencia managed to more or less uh, juggle that kind of grittiness that they used to have under Jose Bordalas with a new, more you know, attractive play style, especially with the ball uh, on their feet, with ball possession, and they were able to dispute that that percentage against Real Madrid in their game. And uh, yeah, overall, I think that Valencia have uh, been able to sustain most of their performance so far 
uh, on the hands of Mamar Dashvili and on the feet of uh, Edison Cavani. Um, and that's the difference which can be really marked inside the boxes. And th and that's, in modern football, that's the, where the differences are made nowadays because most of the teams are, are physically well prepared. Um, they have plenty of, you know, uh, tactics uh, in, that they can juggle in any single game. They can be more defensive, more offensive. They can pressure a high mid, mid midfield or, or in, at the back. I don't know. Most of them have that kind of variables, as we call them in Spanish. But uh, the main difference can be seen inside the box when defending with your goalkeeper and when attacking with your uh, point uh, striker with your number nine. And unfortunately for Valencia, Cavani didn't score, but his game was massive. You know, he, he, he played incredibly well uh, the whole game. And in that sense, uh, Mamardas really was massive too except for the penalty shootout, you know, which is quite unfortunate because I, I don't know what kind of jinx is working on here, but Mamar Dasvili has been very, uh, you know, secure for most of his Valencia career so far. He has been very reliable under the sticks, but whenever a penalty comes around, he just doesn't has, have that kind of ability or that, that kind of uh, spider sense or sixth sense. I think that... He misses the mark in that in in that uh, area of expertise, and unfortunately, Valencia lost uh, in the penalty shootout because of that. But overall, I think that plenty of Valencia fans were happy for the you know the development of the squad and the way they played. But I sense some kind of complacent attitude from some of the fans because we have lowered the bar so much that we can become, you know, even happy for this kind of performances when back in the day, and I'm not talking like 20 years ago, I'm talking about eight, nine, 10 years ago, uh, if Valencia lost this kind of, of semi-final, uh, fans would be fuming, you know, they would be fuming because Valencia used to be a heavyweight, a heavyweight contender for this kind of trophies and even win them, you know, uh, Valencia used to win them back in uh, 2002, 2004, championship contenders in La Liga, they were championship contenders in Copa del Rey and obviously in the Super Cup. So, unfortunately, the, the bar has been lowered so much by uh, Peter Lim that mm, plenty of fans are happy for the showcase and obviously not uh, be, uh, for the outcome. And I think that uh, the kind of mentality will have to be, you know, changed in a way if Valencia expect to be great once again uh, someday in the in the future. Well, we are in January, Paco. Is yeah. there any news potentially coming out of Valencia? Well, um, when we are recording this show, uh, only a few hours ago, Genaro Gattuso was in, in the press conference and he said that uh, he had, uh, you know, uh, brought up to the club on the sports direction and even Peter Lim over a hundred names, you know, in the market and that he had overseen with the sports director, uh, 50, 57 names in the in the last 57 days, which is amazing. But at the same time, it's not amazing that for so many names, Valencia have uh, made the incredible and amazing amount of zero signings so far. Because actually, uh, whenever you expect to to achieve a transfer, you you need the money, you know, because this is not the monopoly, unfortunately. And Valencia needs some cash in that sense. And Peter Lim isn't ready to splurge cash. Actually, he isn't ready to spend any cash at all. Um, so Valencia has a very, very limited market in that sense. Plenty of rumors here and there. Um, in the last few days, 
um, Janusai's agent, which is the same agent who offered uh, last summer Justin Kluivert and Valencia made the, the signing on loan from, from Rome. His, his agent, Janusai's agent, offered the, the player to Valencia. Unfortunately, the, the talks are more or less in a, in a um, uh, stalemate uh, position because um, Sevilla expects Valencia to pay for half of, of his um, salary and uh, Valencia aren't, you know, keen on that and the salary is quite high. But, you know, if we leave that aside, many names, Pelistri from, from Manchester United, he, the, the striker who played only a few days ago with, with the team, he's very young, he needs minutes, he could be a, a potential signing on loan. I don't know, plenty of names for Valencia, but unfortunately for Gattuso, who really, really needs their reinforcement, reinforcements, uh, none of them are, are here already, which, by the way, they should be. Well, I've got my fingers crossed for you, Paco. Hopefully, we'll see some incomings in the next couple if of days. If anything comes around, it will happen in the 30th, 31st, which is, <laughs> you know, standard Meritons Valencia procedure. Yeah, well, I mean, aside from Valencia, we have seen some transfer activity this week and quite refreshing, actually, to see some incomings because we've obviously seen a lot of players leave La Liga in the last couple of days. We've seen Real Betis replace one of their outgoings, Alex Moreno, obviously off to Aston Villa, and Abner Vinicius just came in from Brazil, mm-hmm. the, the third Vinicius, I believe, now in La Liga. Yeah, Vinicius Tanque also uh, in last yeah. season. He was playing for Atletico Baleares. He played yes. against Valencia. Vinicius Tanque, which is obviously Vinicius Tank. Which is quite an hilarious, an hilarious name, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, another another piece of business as well was Hitafe re-picking up uh, Gonzalo Villar. And I know you're... Great move in my view. Yeah, mm. great move. I think Gonzalo Villar is, is a massive talent. And unfortunately, he didn't have as many chances as he should last season under Kike Sanchez Flores because he really needed that kind of grittiness to uh, plunge the team from the depth of the from the depths of the of the standings but this season with Kike and uh, Getafe being you know mid-table more or less not suffering as much as, as last year I think that he might have more chances to shine with with Getafe as, as Kike Sanchez Flores really knows him well and uh, obviously he he has pressured the Getafe to to achieve once again uh, the player on loan from from Rome I believe yeah, no, very interesting to see how he does. But probably one of my most, you know, interesting transfers is is Girona. They they picked up 25-year-old Viktor Sigankov today. Um, a man with 43 international caps for Ukraine, 94 goals and 64 assists in around 200 full games in, in Ukraine for Dinamo Kiev. And we've seen him score against Barcelona in the, in the Champions yeah. League. We've seen him score against Spain for Ukraine as well. And you know, when you consider, obviously, it's not not a simple comparison to make, but Mudric going to, to Chelsea for 90 million. Yeah. <laughs> and this man, you know, seems to be of a similar kind of output for, for five going to Girona. It's a really ambitious signing, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, because I think that the, the Eastern markets, especially as the, you know, all of the um, ongoing uh, war between uh, Russia and Ukraine and all of the, uh, you know, uh, military conflict over there, I think it's become some sort of uh, window of opportunity for some sides, uh, as for example, Dynamo Kiev. Um, I don't really in the mood to be a regular football club because of the obvious context that they have been forced uh, to be to be living upon. And that's why, for example, Mudrik's uh, uh, signing has been made by Chelsea for an humongous fee. I believe that it's a very very overpaid signing that's only my my opinion but 
um, in this case, I think that, that Girona obviously eyed for something different um, in front because I think that that has been one of their biggest uh, issues this this season. That they need to 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 finish the play. They need uh, goals, which is ultimately what I was talking about earlier with Edinson Cavani in, in Valencia. And obviously, Sigankov has this kind of gravitas surrounding him. He's like the, as we say in Spanish, uh, remataría una lavadora. He he can. Uh, finish, uh, if, if you make a cross and instead of sending him a, a ball, you send a washing machine, he would definitely head home the washing machine. He's that kind of player who is able to, uh, you know, try to finish in any kind of position all of the plays. And I think that he can bring exciting stuff to, to Girona. Obviously, there's Manchester City behind. Everyone knows the, the kind of links that... Um, are permeating the the relationships between Girona and and Manchester City, but at the end of the day, this is a huge signing for for Girona, a side who, at least on paper, shouldn't be able to make this kind of of signings, but they actually do, and I think they have a very very interesting squad overall, a very well rounded team, and and that's why they really aren't suffering as much as they should. Uh, this season because they are playing attractive football, they are signing interesting players, and they have a very focused mentality. So yeah, overall, I think that I think this this kind of player, Sigankov, can can you know splash some waves around in in the remaining six months of of competition. And of course, we're hoping that he's not a replacement for Tati Castellanos, rather, you know, some support for him up front. But yeah, we're very excited to potentially see some of these players in, in game week 18. And that's what we're going to preview after the break. So stick around, don't go anywhere. And we will be back very, very shortly to look ahead to the big games this weekend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Hello and welcome back to part two of the La Liga Lowdown podcast, our midweek edition. I'm here again with Paco Pollitt and we're going to move on to talk about this weekend's fixtures. But first, we have to look back at a fixture which fell after our um, match day 17 recap pod. So Sam and Roman weren't able to talk about it, but it was a big, big game. And it was Cadiz 1, Elche 1, a huge, huge game at the bottom of the table. And, you know, open the scoring, a sensational strike from Brian Ocampo, one of probably one of the goals of the season, his first mm. goal in Spanish football. Actually, just the seventh time he's taken a shot while he's been here in Spain. And if he can hit the ball that well, you're wondering why he's not been shooting a bit more often. But yeah, absolutely brilliant. And then Ezequiel Ponce in the 81st minute was the man who flicked in an equaliser with a header. Intriguingly, from a Lautaro Blanco cross, and that was his 10th cross of the game, and he only came on at half-time, so he was a prolific creator down the left-hand side of the pitch. But yeah, Elche still rock bottom, of course, 17 games, zero wins, but they picked up a point here towards the end. and There was some controversy surrounding that equalising goal, wasn't there, Paco? Yeah, because obviously I think that we shouldn't really debate this as much as some listeners might expect. I think that it's pretty clear that the... Elche's goal was uh, in an offside position and it should have been ruled out. That was, um, you know, 100% uh, evidence on the spot. Um, seconds after the goal was was scored and, and it, amazingly the, the, the people in the VAR and the referee in the VAR uh, didn't possibly were watching another channel on the TV. Uh, I don't know if they, they were watching a Netflix show. I don't know, but they really missed that play and they dropped the ball on on disallowing the goal which is uh huge for elche because they picked up a point in a game that they should have lost and uh also massive for cadiz in a negative way because they had you know they had pocket pocketed the the three points and they were out of relegation uh, spots and suddenly they only had to uh comply with with only one and actually um cadiz have challenged the the overall the game and uh, they have, um, and I'm reading here the, the statement that they released, they uh, are challenging the game as a consequence of an unfortunate and negligent uh, performance of the refereeing body, specifically the referees and the referee on the VAR uh, room, and that Cadiz were severely, uh, you know, um, negatively uh, affected, and that they are going to, you know, try to use all of their legal uh, resources to take action and try to challenge the game and try that the game should be uh, restarted from the 81st minute onwards, you know, to play the last nine minutes because they believe that the referee's mistake and the VAR was so massive that it's actually going against the actual competition. You know, I think it's very far-fetched nothing is going to happen you know it would be very 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 strange that uh legally they they would have some kind of support to this to this claim but uh it just speaks volumes about how how big what the what was the mistake and and how uh you know negative what's a negative impact uh, it has had uh, against the uh, Cadiz. by the way the referee inside the the bar uh room who was in charge of watching the 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 screen was Iglesias Villanueva who back in the day was relegated from refereeing actually refereeing in La Liga to just you know squeezed into that VAR room and and try to not uh you know 
to not um, generate any kind of complaints. Well, he did fail in, in this sense. And there has been also plenty of drama with all of the, you know, the referee um, committees, the, the referee bodies. Uh, a statement has been, has been released earlier today talking about that. Um, yeah, well, it was a mistake, but, but, and after the but comes uh, everything else, uh, they are uh, complying La Liga to start using the semi-automatic offside uh, system which was, by the way, tested on the... Um, I think it was tested on the Super Cup in, in Saudi Arabia. And it worked more or less pretty on point, especially in that Barca-Betis game. Um, I remember it was an offside by... Could it be Lewandowski? By, like, a matter of millimeters? I don't know. Um, but, you know, the referees, instead of, you know, being uh, apologizing and, and trying to improve and all of that, no. They said that, okay, it was a mistake, but... La Liga should try to avoid this kind of stuff by using the semi-automatic um, offside uh, system. This isn't going to end well. Unfortunately, Cadiz, I think that they are, you know, they have the right to try to um, use up all of their legal resources to um, to defend their interests. But I think that the the end score is going to remain one-one. Elche does don't really, you know, they don't really. Um, change their fate so far because they only have, I believe, six points. They're bottom of the standings, five points, sorry. And yeah, unfortunately for Cadiz, possibly they deserve the win, but the the one one is going to to remain in the books uh, forever. Yeah, you were talking about washing machines before. Um, we're talking about fridges now with the referees, as they like to say in Spain. Yeah, back in yeah. the fridge, and we've already seen Mateo Lajoz uh, drop from a game week, and I think we might see a few more. You know, yeah, and I think that Mateo, Mateo Laoz is actually coming back in the next few days. I don't know if this week will will happen because we are only a few hours away from knowing the the referees being um, appointed to to the games this weekend. But I think Mateo is is will be back before uh, January finishes. But yeah, definitely a couple of other referees are going to be spending quite a while inside the fridge over here. Yeah, very controversial at the moment, the refereeing, but let's try and focus on the football for the last five minutes of today's episode. We've got some really, really tasty games coming up and focusing on Caddy still, we they're, you know, travelling away to Sevilla this weekend and, and what an absolutely huge game that is. Oh. You know, we had 19th versus 20th last weekend. We've now got 18th versus 19th this weekend. And, you know, Cadiz, if you look at their results, I mean, they were, as we, we mentioned, perhaps unlucky not to win last weekend, but they've actually only lost one game in their last six. They've beaten yeah. Atletico Madrid in that run. They've obviously beaten Valencia as well away from home. And the way Sevilla are playing at home, it was a real struggle to get their first home win of the season against Getafe last weekend. This could go either way, really, couldn't it? Yeah, we have little time, so I think we can go straight to the point. Cadiz-Sevilla, Sevilla-Cadiz, sorry, is going to be the biggest game of the weekend. Not only because of how many things are on the line for both sides. At the end of the day, we're talking about uh, an Andalusian derby between two very, you know, historical uh, sides. But also because of the atmosphere surrounding everything happening right now in Sevilla. You know, there's plenty of Sevilla fans and especially those who are listening, I you know, want to uh, give them a, a little nudge. Um, they are up in arms with all of the management, with all of the signings made by Monchi, who was mighty back in the day. And suddenly he doesn't really know how to make proper signings because all of them are failing lately. And especially against Pepe Castro, who is the, um, the Sevilla's president. 
and who might be on his way out because many, many Sevilla fans are asking him to resign from his position and some kind of emergency board being, um, you know, set up in order to save Sevilla first from the relegation spots and, you know, turning things upside down inside the club because things are really, really not working lately in the last couple of seasons. So that game is definitely going to be my drama uh, biggest game of the of the weekend but i think we have mm, plenty of others also to to watch out for yeah 100 just quickly on sevilla they've actually confirmed the re-signing of lucas ocampos who was obviously sent out to ajax in the summer and he's come back already in winter kind of you know real microcosm of sevilla's transfer business and sevilla's stay at the moment you know what, what, a, what an incredible kind of episode that's been so yeah, moving on to some of the other games, like you say, we have some really, really attractive ones. Top of the list for me is probably Rayo Vallecano versus Real Sociedad. Um, two of the most attractive teams to watch in football, particularly uh, in Spanish football, particularly uh, La Real, off the back of that really, really impressive win in the Bas Derby. And Mikel Oyarzabal as well, he started in the Copa del Rey this weekend as they, uh, mm -hmm. as they beat Mallorca, so that's more encouraging news for them. But Rayo Vallecano, they won again away at uh, Real Valladolid and... You know, you look at the table, and they are in this race for for European places. They're only um, they're only two points off uh, the top four, so they're, they're really, really in it, aren't they? Yes, because of their latest run of games. You know, you only have to see how they have been uh, performing lately to to point out the the greatness that um, uh, Iraola is bringing to the table with with uh, Rayo Vallecano. They are sitting right now ninth, but only one win. Could allow them to to climb up to the fourth spot you know only one game away from being a champions league side whereas for real sociedad you are they are right now in a in an absolute riot riotous uh run of games um i don't know if maybe Rayo Vallecano can be the the team to stop them on, the, on their tracks but you know i saw for a while their game against uh, mallorca in in Copa del Rey and it wasn't brilliant but they got the job done ultimately Real Sociedad have won their four last La Liga games and they have moved on to the quarterfinal in Copa del Rey so at this point in the season possibly they are the side who are even overperforming I'm not going to see performing the best even overperforming the best from all of La Liga sides so in that sense I think it's going to be a, a great game overall and of course, La Real topping their Europa League group as well and through to the knockout rounds of that competition too. So really, really strong season so far for, for Real Sociedad and, and fingers crossed they can keep that up. Some more games this weekend and we have to touch on that title race. And as we mentioned before, Real Madrid travelling to San Mamés to take on Athletic Club. And, and this has a lot riding on it. Athletic Club, probably one of the hardest places to go in La Liga just because of the atmosphere. And we've seen a lot of big teams stumble there in the past. Both of these sides on a bit of a low, as we said, Athletic Club yeah. losing the derby, Real Madrid losing the Clásico. I think this one could be all guns blazing as well, don't you? Yeah, because I think that Ernesto Valverde is one of the greatest Spanish managers uh, nowadays. I think that his, his overall his career has been outstanding and he has succeeded in almost all of the sides where he has um, coached. And, uh, you know, the, the gaffer uh, in this current run, as Athletics uh, manager, I think that uh, he's bringing different stuff to the table. He doesn't have that kind of gung-ho attitude that he used to have 
when, for example, he coached Valencia 10 years ago or other adventures, but he's a great, great coach. And I think that the, the, the duel um, in the sidelines is going to be great to watch as the, you know, Raul Garcia against the world, which is an obvious classic in any kind of game between Athletic and Real Madrid. Let's see what kind of, you know, uh, alternatives uh, Ancelotti brings to the table in order to change the mood after the defeat in the, the Super Cup. But remember that many of Real Madrid's big defeats in the last 5-10 years have happened actually in San Mames. Uh, because of what you said, the atmosphere, the rowdiness, the grittiness and the kind of attitude which uh, Athletic Club brings any time they face one of the, you know, of the big three teams, uh, Real Madrid, Barca or Atletico Madrid. And then, of course, Barcelona taking on Getafe at Camp Nou. Barcelona, of course, three points clear, as we said, and an opportunity to stretch that lead should Real Madrid drop any points against a Getafe side who, as we mentioned before, just struggling to get going. They lost last week to Espanyol by two goals to one, but they did score an incredible goal. Enes Unal is clearly the danger man for this team. And on their day, Gaddafi can sit back and frustrate you. But looking at this, you know, you have to say Barcelona are favourites, don't you? No, I think that uh, unfortunately for Getafe, um, you know, at this point they are in a battle which is uh, absolutely different to watch Bar what Barca are playing right now. I think that Barca will bring the momentum with them from the Super Cup win, and and that's why I believe they they will be far superior in this game. But overall, um, you know, Getafe's season has been not really the most. I would say the most consistent because they have been capable of pulling off amazing results and at the same time losing games that they had absolutely under control. So I don't know what is happening over there. I, uh, I'm i sure that Kike Sanchez Flores will be working uh, intensely on, on trying to solve it. But overall, Barca should you know grab an, uh, a relatively easy win if they are able to play at least 50-60% of the level that they showed against Real Madrid. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for coming on today, Paco, and sharing your thoughts with us. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Make sure, listeners, to follow us at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter. We have our January transfer thread on there, which is ever-growing, As we, you know, even as we're talking now, there's news ticking through, so there will always be extra things to see on there. And also, make sure to have a look at our Substack. That's llonline.substack.com, where we have free content every day in the form of short articles by our experts. That's all for today's episode. It's been been a pleasure and we'll speak to you soon. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. 
Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.